0: Hey everybody, welcome, welcome to Wednesday night, our Wednesday night study. I am so excited when we get to dig into what I wanna dig into with you. uh, And uh, I just can't wait to do that. By the way, all of you right now who are in the chat, especially I wanna say a hi. If you're not in the chat, I still wanna say hi. Uh, I just am so excited. If you're watching On Demand, ahead of time, hi. But I, I love to do that. Tracy, were you blown away by Dan's story?
1: Yes. Uh, the the gun story.
0: Yeah, the gun story. So what happened? I know I'm kind of hanging you out to dry. <laughs> sorry about that. But but what happened is Tracy and I were talking with Dan as we were talking about the bomb dog training they were going to be doing. Dan uh, a while back was an active police officer in the Palm Desert, Palm Springs area. And what happened is was he was actually off, and he said to his wife, "Hey, let's go for a ride. We'll take the dog." And then he said, "You know, run by the store." And so they hopped into his truck and started going around. Well, then on the scanner. It came up, there had been a shooting uh, and that the active shooter had not been caught. And uh, he said to his wife, I, they may have in a barricaded in a house. He said, honey, are you okay? They're going to need the dog. And she's like, okay. And he goes, well, you stay in the car. So he drove on scene. They were so excited to see Dan there and to see his dog there. And he got out and they said, we don't know if the guy is in the house, but he shot someone in the head four times. And so they asked Dan, would you sweep the house for us? So he went and took the dog and the dog started moving through the house. The dog got up to a closet and the way the dog began to act, Dan thought, I think the suspect's in there. And he stepped to look and the closet door opened and the man stepped out, took the gun, put it right into Dan's chest, right right next to his chest, Mm -hmm. pulled the trigger and it jammed. Mm -hmm. Now he had just shot at least four times. Uh, So Dan will tell you that was a miracle. Then it jammed it jammed, and then Dan took him down and uh, uh, ended up coming out okay mm-hmm. by the way, Dan was telling us that 's my miracle story, right yep. tracy yeah
1: I, I still can 't believe it i can 't imagine the gun jamming right then and there, but what a hand of God
0: yeah, what a hand of to God, totally, mm-hmm. yeah, and it was kind of a light flash light flashes before your eyes yeah. moment, uh, and so by the way, Dan was talking to us about. The miracle series we're doing, which on the weekend, if you're not joining us on the weekend, we're studying on the miracles of the Bible and how you can position yourself to experience miracles. And we'd love for you to have one of these journals so you could study the major miracles of the Bible and uh, and, and learn more about the miracles God has done to prepare you to receive the miracles God will do in your life, and uh, Tracy, you were a key figure in putting this together, and I I think you did a phenomenal job with this.
1: Thank you. Yeah, we tried something new. We added the full. We tried to add the full verses in there to have everything in one location, and I think that's made it. I for me, it's been super fun and easy.
0: <laughs> oh, and easier. Yeah, I like I like it better. I think it's the best laid out journal we've ever had. I content I think has been good before. This is the best layout. But by the way, I'm not. We're gonna dive in the message, but you got. Hear this. I'm studying in the Miracle Journal because I I do what I ask you to do. And I'm like, what version is this? And uh, we've copyrighted, we have copyright rights from New American uh, Standard uh, from the Lockman Foundation. And I'm like, reading the journal, going, this doesn't seem to be it. So I text Tracy and I said, what version did you use? And she texts back New American. And then I texted back, "Uh, that's not actually New American. And you texted back that it was. And it was
1: it was the New American 2020, and uh, I thought I thought for sure I messed up. I'm like, oh my gosh, am I just rewriting the Bible in this journal <laughs> right now? <laughs> but it was New American 2020, and typically we do New American 1995. Right, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Which there's just a little bit of an update, but so if you get the journal, you get the updated New American Trans uh, standard inside, uh, which is very very accurate translation. So uh, what I want you to know is we are talking now about something that can be without a doubt, maybe a miracle moment that's the most important miracle moment. Uh, I would say, uh, while when someone physically gets healed, and I've seen that, and and at times we'll talk about that, that's a miracle. Uh, And that that counts, it matters. Uh, When a couple's not able to have a child and even been told it's medically impossible, and we pray over them and they have the child, man, that matters. What could be bigger than that? And there is something. What could be a greater miracle than that? And you know what it is? When someone gives their life to Jesus Christ, they become born again, forgiven of all their sins, freed from guilt, freed from shame. They become brand new, a new creation, in a relationship with God as their Abba Father. And they're, they're put on a course to live out their life's purpose. That is the most important miracle ever to happen. And it's happened to me. It's happened to Tracy. It's happened to Leslie. It's happened to Taff. You can't see them, but it happened to them. And, uh, and, and for most of you, it happened to you. Matter of fact, if it happened to you, put it in the chat, happened to me. And, and you know what? Then I think it's so exciting that you and I get to be a part of going and sharing our faith with people. But people are so afraid to share their faith. And we wanna talk about how, how you can share your faith, how you can be a part of partnering with the Holy Spirit and being a tool of the Holy Spirit for people to come to know the Lord. One time I was talking uh, with an atheist. I was doing next-gen ministry. Uh, he was an atheist that happened to be from UCR who had driven all the way out uh, to Christ Church of the Valley uh, week after week, at least two or three weeks in a row. And, so, uh, and there's, by the way, a miracle story about how he would even do that. And so he and I had talked, and, and he had debated me some. And one night we were standing there kind of in the midst of a fellowship moment. People are talking and laughing. And he comes up, and, he, and, and even when I say debated, he was respectful, he was intelligent. This guy was off the charts, smart. And he asked very real questions, and he made very valid challenges. And uh, he looked at me, and I said, you know, sometimes I don't know what to tell you. But I can tell you this, and I pointed at a high school student. And I said, that guy right there was healed from being legally blind. He had nerve damage. That the doctor said was irreversible. Uh, His vision was going to get worse and worse and worse. And legally, he was blind, but he was very likely, because of the nerve damage, going to see that impaired in a more pronounced way. And I said, Look at him right now. He's not wearing glasses, he's completely healed. And that's my son. Mm -hmm. I said, I had a miracle happen. I uh, was very much a part of a drug lifestyle. I was very destructive in the behavior I was going through. I uh, was very selfish in using women in ways I shouldn't. And Jesus grabbed me and changed my heart. And now today I'm not even close to the same person. And I wanna tell you, if you ever met the old Chuck, you'd be shocked at the new Chuck. And by the way, here in Corona, there's a lot of people who know the old Chuck. And even today, uh, there are people who are like, is Chuck Boer really the guy we went to school? You know, Like they can't believe the difference. And and I told him, you just got to know how real that is. And I'll never forget what he did. He stood there. And he goes, you know what? I can't argue with that. I can't argue with that. And what I want to tell you is this is something I want you to know. Please listen. Is anybody who's sincere, and I'm going to say willing to approach the question of faith in an intelligent way, won't argue with your story? They won't argue with my story. Tracy, they won't argue with your story. Uh, because why? Your story is your story. And, and, and unless they think you lack credibility, uh, the bottom line is they're going to have to at least take it face value what you say happened with you and God. And that ends up being one of the most convincing proofs that Christianity is true and one of the most effective ways for you and I to share our faith. So the question is, how do you share your story? You need to know your story. And, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how not only you need to know your story, but some motivations that will get you there to be able to share your story. Now, I, I want to say this. I, I want to let you know that I, I think there's so many believers, some of you who are watching right now, who you'd love to share your faith, but you're afraid. You're afraid. And and you know what? When fear happens, it can cause us to do or not do certain things. Uh, so by the way, I think it's very interesting what people are afraid of. There are many people, and get ready for this. I'm one. Uh, uh, it, we don't have it now. We used to live in a house that had sliding closet doors, and I could lay in bed and look at them. And Leslie, you got to hear this. One time I looked up and the closet door was open that much, and I'm laying in bed. And then I turn over and I look back and I feel like it's open that much. And all of a sudden, and man, my heart is going. And I think, you know, some hillside strangler chose my house and my closet oh, to be no. in. And I'm freaking out. So I said, Pam, go check. No, not really. <laughs> Pam, you're watching. Uh, Pam's going to put in the chat. No, he did. Uh, but, but here's the thing is, believe it or not, a closet door being open a crack somehow created fear in me mm-hmm. and made it hard to sleep. Uh, Tracy, what is your fear?
1: I, for the longest time, was terrified of needles. I used to hate giving blood, and uh, I would, like, cry, like, a lot every time I gave blood. But um, I think it's good now to give blood, and so I try to give blood every now and then to overcome the fear.
0: Yeah, we're even going to have a staff day and go give blood together. Yeah. By the way, Leslie. Yeah. Yeah, you can go with us. (laughs) Yeah. Tyler, Chris. The COVID guys, no. Um, anyway, uh, you know, but, but um, a fear of needles. Yep. You know, a lot of people have a fear of needles. Yeah. And again, I'm not afraid of a lot of things, to be honest. Uh, I'm not a person of fear, okay? No, yeah, 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 but I am afraid of needles. And I don't know why, because they don't hurt. Yep. I mean, I really, every time I'm like, oh, and then it, it, nothing. It's like, yeah. I've had it times where they do it and I go, you did it? Right. And I didn't even know.
1: Yeah, it's the idea. The idea of the needle in your vein just freaks me out.
0: Okay, do you know what mine is? Get ready. My fear is the needle will be in my vein and it'll break off. Okay, ooh, everyone got a reaction. (laughs) That's now my fear, Chuck. But but there's no valid reason to think that, but I do. One time, Pam and I, this is funny, but it's not. Well, it's totally funny. We were in a horrible car accident. That's not the funny part. And then what happened is they had to put me in an ambulance. I'll give you the short version of the story. And the ambulance starts going, and the guy uh, uh, leaned over me and held up what I thought was a huge needle right in front of my face, and I'm strapped down. And he goes, I have to put this in your arm. And I looked at him, don't do it. And he goes, I have to. And it's rocking. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. I said, no, I'm okay. And he goes, no, I got to. And I thought, are you like some sadist, yeah. you know, or something, you know, and he wouldn't let it go. Yeah. But, uh, but needles, yeah, yeah needles. Yeah. Um, one time, by the way, uh, uh, we did a scary car rally when I was doing Next Gen Ministry. And so what it was, it was around Halloween and it was college age mainly. And what they would do is have to drive to places and get their clues in a scary way. One clue was hidden in a box of live snakes. Oh my you would gosh. have to reach in these snakes to get your clue. Mm-hmm. Another one was with tarantulas in there and you had to go get your clue. Uh, but there was one thing, one, one place to get their clue that a bunch of the, about half the group or more said no and walked away. Mm-hmm. And you know what it was? They had to walk up a path and there was a clown waiting um, going, come on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Anybody afraid of clowns? No? Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. So anyway. <laughs> There's been a lot of studies done on what people are afraid of. Uh, One of the biggest fears people have is the dentist. Mm. And you want to know what ranks higher than a fear of the dentist and almost equal with the fear of death? Public speaking. Mm -hmm. Public speaking. Uh, I think that's really uh, intriguing that people are afraid, which you might say, Chuck, why'd you do all this? Because Tracy, I think what happens when you go to share your faith, it's a form of public speaking. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do
1: you think that's true? Yeah, I think this is a form of public speaking, and I'm actually a little scared right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, whenever I make, by the way, I make Tracy do this. She is not, I don't think you've ever volunteered for this. No,
1: I never have, but I I would agree that uh, sharing your faith is a form of public speaking too, for sure.
0: Okay, yeah, and I really think that's true. And, and so I want to talk to you about some ways that you can take away that fear and overcome that fear because it matters. There is so much is at stake, and you and I need to know that. So we need to keep in mind what's at stake. Uh, you know what? I have a fear of needles, but I would give blood. You'll give blood. Why? Because it'll save someone's life. Right. Um, you know what? I, I have, uh, at times I have been nervous to share my faith, but I will. Why? Because that person matters so much that I would do anything to help them. Mm-hmm. I would do anything in that moment. And, uh, you know, uh, I I would face my fear for someone or something I love. And so I want you to know that's what's going to be the biggest motivation. The Bible says perfect love casts out fear. And so if I really love somebody, if I really care for somebody, if I know, by the way, and I know, I know, that if they don't come to know Jesus Christ, that they will not go to heaven. And even, even worse, they'll go to hell then I'm gonna be motivated to do something about it. But by the way, we'll talk about this at the very end. The biggest factor that makes us effective in sharing our faith is the Holy Spirit. And listen to what we're told in 2 Timothy chapter 1, 7 about the Holy Spirit. It says, God has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear, but a power and love and discipline. Mm -hmm. Power and love and discipline. Uh, Self-control is another way to put that. And so here's what I want you to know. If I'm feeling afraid, then the Holy Spirit's not in charge. Uh, if I'm feeling afraid, then faith is not what I'm doing. I'm not walking by faith and not by sight. But when I have real faith in God and I'm really filled with the Holy Spirit, fear leaves, fear leaves. And now, now I'm gonna be able to share my faith with power. And by the way, I, I, I don't, this may seem, uh, be a little too complex to say quickly, but listen anyway, every single time, Every single time in the Bible, the words filled with the Holy Spirit are used, somebody speaks. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? Every time, every time, they either speak to share their faith with non-believers or to encourage believers or to praise God vocally and outwardly. But every time, nobody is ever filled with the Spirit and stays silent. And so God's great desire is you would be filled with the Holy Spirit and and that you would be filled with the Spirit that gives you power, power, Love and self-control. Now, I'm gonna go back to the love thing. Who is it, who in your life right now that you, you would, could honestly say, I care about them so much, I want them to come to know Christ. Mm-hmm. There's somebody I know who's not a believer. Someone I know that I could not care about more than I do. Or maybe I should care about more, I'll get honest. But I, I know, I know they need Jesus. And I do care. Who is it? Who is it you have like that? By the way, um, we, won't, we won't expose their story, but you have a guy, you cared so much, you dove into the conversation with him, right?
1: Yeah, yes, and he knows, he appreciates every time I, uh, I bring up salvation and faith. He appreciates it, but he's someone that any chance I get, any opportunity I have, I bring it up.
0: Yeah, yeah, and he actually told you he's glad you care that much.
1: Yes, yep, for sure.
0: Yeah, and the person uh, I'm thinking of for me had actually said, and he actually, here's the quote, he said it would hurt if you didn't. It would hurt if you didn't, because I know what you believe. Um, so I want to have you think about who your person is. And then we're doing this right now as a church family. I would like you to join me and also Tracy and Taft and Leslie. Taft, you're doing this, right? Yeah, okay, yeah, you said yes. You can't see Taft, but he's doing it too. Uh, join us in, in every day from now till at least to September 26th or beyond to, to every day at one o'clock for one minute, pray for your one person. Who's that one person you care about? Every day at one o'clock for one minute, pray for that one person. And then I really, really want you to do this. Text MIRACLE to 77247. Text MIRACLE to 77247. And why, why will you do that? Because then every day at one o'clock Pacific time, because we're gonna have people do this all over the world, but we're doing it at Pacific time. Every day at one o'clock Pacific time, we will text you and remind you uh, to pray for one minute for your one person. And, and so we want, and we, I think there's something powerful that's gonna take place when we are all, thousands of us, are praying together. So if you haven't done it yet, do it. And by the way, uh, Tracy, I thought, Tracy's so adamant, we gotta be true to this, that we were right in the middle of a meeting, and what happened?
1: At one o'clock hit, I got the text, and I asked Chuck, can we stop and pray for our one And so we did that, which was awesome.
0: And I thought it was moving. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Pam and I today were sitting together, and, and the text came on both our phones. By the way, at the exact same time, yeah. and uh, we just stopped and began to pray. And uh, I want to encourage you to be a part of that and, and to be diligent in that and to care enough for people to do that. Why? Because God has given you a spirit of power, love, and self-control. And that love should, should motivate you uh, to want to be a part of praying for people to come to know Christ and helping people to come to know Christ. And so the other part of your prayer is this. You're praying for an opportunity to talk to them in a spiritual way to have a spiritual conversation about their salvation, about their soul. Now, that might sound scary, but what I want you to be do is just share your story. Just share your story with them. You see, we know that every Christian has a story. The Bible calls it a testimony. Uh, you know what? Uh, a lot of old churches, old-time churches would say, who's got a testimony? And people would stand up and share their story. It'd be either a story of how they came to know Christ or a story of something God did in their life that moment. But but they called it a testimony. And they would even call it testifying. Uh, If you uh, go to a court as a witness, as a witness, you give testimony. And we call sharing our faith witnessing. So it all comes together with the same idea, very biblical idea. And I want you to listen to what it says in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. This is a powerful verse of Scripture. It's talking about something that's going to occur in the not-too-distant future. Uh, There'll be a worldwide persecution of Christians. And yet we see, according to the Bible, a worldwide revival will break out because those Christians will not be silenced. They'll go out and begin to share their testimony. And, and then it says that they, those Christians, will overcome the devil. And that's what it's talking about here in Revelation 12, 11, It says, and they overcame him because him is the devil. They overcame the devil because of the blood of the lamb. That means you're actually under the blood of Jesus Christ. You're born again. You're washed clean by the power of the blood that he shed upon the cross. And look at this word line. Because of the word of their testimony. Uh, There is a testimony about Jesus, which is awesome, but God says it's awesome that you have a testimony that Tracy, you have one, I have one. And so God wants you and I to be able to tell our story, to testify of how God changed our lives, of how God is working with us, how God is doing amazing things through us and for us. And so you and I need to have that. And by the way, everybody has a story. I was talking with this wonderful, wonderful young wife. And she said, but Pastor Chuck, I don't have a story. I was raised in a Christian home. Uh, I I was always a a good girl. As a matter of fact, I I don't know that she ever drank, smoked, or cussed, or chewed, or went with boys who do. (laughs) That's an old joke. (laughs) So old, nobody's laughing. Well, you are. Okay, good. All right, Leslie was it, by the way. Oh, yeah, kind of was. Anyway, all right, so here's the thing I want you to know, is that I, I looked at her and said, you have a story. And it's an incredible story. By the way, you said at one time you felt that way, right, Tracy?
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, I, uh, my story.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: I was raised in a Christian home, so my parents uh, were Christians, and they raised us that way. And so I don't really have a dramatic story. I was privileged and honored, really, to uh, be in Sunday school. When I was five years old, my Sunday school teacher told me what it meant to accept Jesus into my heart. I did that at five, and I've kind of stuck with it ever since. So I've always been able to say I've known Jesus.
0: Yeah. And you know what I want to say is that to me is an incredible story Mm -hmm. because it shows that when Christian parents raise their kids more often than not, we think it's not, but more Mm -hmm. often than not, they're going to stay with the faith and live that out. And and you didn't have to go through the heartbreak. Right. You didn't have to go through the the, uh, the uh, things that could wound you so deeply. It would be lifelong wounds. Right. Um, you didn't have to go through any of that. But you still had a something happened moment. And I love your something happened moment.
1: Yes, I do too. I feel I feel like for uh, people, God pursues you. I feel like God's constantly pursuing you. And so my moment. I was in fifth grade, and uh, my family's Lebanese. And so me and my mom went. Uh, We did year-round school, so we took the month in October to visit uh, Lebanon, to visit our family in Lebanon. And I was in a bookstore, and I picked a random book off the shelf, and I took it home with me, and I read it on the plane coming back to the states. And it was just a simple story of a girl who uh, had a relationship with Jesus. Just a, a very simple story. But in that moment, I understood that being a Christian meant having a very deep and personal relationship with Jesus. And so for me, I realized like God saw me in that moment. I was in this bookstore. I picked a random book that would forever define my relationship uh, with Jesus, and I felt like God saw me and orchestrated that that entire thing to where now I can say my relationship with Jesus is deep and personal and it has been since the fifth grade.
0: Yeah. And to me, without a doubt, you're right. God was pursuing you. Mm-hmm. You had a something happen moment that it actually, the faith you had been raised with now became your faith in a very personal way. Mm-hmm. And that's an incredible story. See, to me, that's an awesome story that I've got a feeling a lot of you can relate to. Uh, and, and by the way, I'm going to say this, please. Every story is, in the end, Jesus's story. So they're all great stories. Uh, they're all amazing. And they all matter, and you matter, and therefore your story matters. And so a lot of you go, man, I can relate to Tracy. You know, I was raised in a Christian home. Uh, I always knew either about Jesus or somehow he was there. And then I I, I, I had that that something happened moment. It didn't have to be the big dramatic one. By the way, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the dramatic one. I was talking with a guy one time who was in our Next Gen ministry. And I said, hey, how did you come to know the Lord? He was an older college guy. He said, Pastor Chuck, he said, I, I was at a music festival out in uh, Rancho Cucamonga area. That, I forgot the name of that, that place. It's the huge open area. I don't know. You know, okay. No. Tracy didn't go there because everyone went there to get high, which is why you weren't there. Uh, but the tech team, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I still think that's funny. So anyway, <laughs> so anyway, uh, he was at the music festival getting high. He actually got pretty uh, out of it and he's sitting there under a tree, but he started feeling for the first time like I did the wrong thing. He had never been convicted. He had never felt guilty about it, but he sat there and it began to eat at him And he was sitting there, and he thought, I just don't know what to do. And this guy walked up to him, and he said this. He was big, and he had the bluest eyes he'd ever seen. Mm -hmm. And he's looking at this guy with blue eyes, and the man leaned over and said, that man over there has the answer to the questions you're asking. He said, go. And he thought, there was something about the way the guy said it. I got to do it. He got up. He walked over to this guy, and he said, hey, can I talk to you? And the guy spun around. And he said, yes. He said, I feel like for some reason that what I'm doing is wrong. Something's wrong with me. And I, I, I don't know what to do. And the guy starts to almost cry. He goes, I was just standing here praying, God, if somehow, some way, I could tell somebody about you. And you walked up. And the guy said, yeah. And he turned around to point. He, he was gonna say, he sent me to you, but the guy wasn't there. Now, there was a big crowd. He thought he might've slipped into it. But no matter what, he disappeared. And this guy didn't know anybody who had those kind of intense blue eyes. He said, I have no clue who you're talking about. I've never met anybody like that. He said, Pastor Chuck, I know it was an angel. An angel told me to go up to a random guy who's praying he can share about his faith in Christ. He said, that was it. I was done. I was ready. Anything he told me to do. And he did. He prayed and gave his life to the Lord. Ended up discovering our church. And that was epic. Is that story better than Tracy's? No. There's stories of what Jesus does. And I love what you said. That wasn't planned, by the way. But I agree. God pursues people. And he pursued you in Lebanon in a little bookstore. Yep. And he pursues this guy at a music festival. Yep. And right now, there might even be somebody out there. You. This moment, right now, God's pursuing you. God loves you. And he wants change to occur. He wants freedom to take place. And I want you to think about that. Uh, Because why? God has written a story for each and every one of us. Those who have already come to know the Lord, those who have not come to know the Lord yet. Psalm 139, verse 16 to 18. I love this passage of scripture. Uh, Look at what it says. Talking about God. It says, your eyes. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance. He's talking about he's in the womb. I don't even know if the mother knows that she's pregnant yet. But God has his eyes on this child that now is alive. And it says, and in your book, while he's in the womb, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. Now, don't lose that. I'll read the rest. And I want to come back. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. Uh, When I awake, I am still with you. He said, before I was ever born, God, you had a book that had written out every day I would ever live and your will for me on every one of those days. Now, what you need to know is even though you are ordained to live out those days, you have a choice and you make a choice whether to live that, lot, that story or not. Many, many, many people aren't living their story. And the people who aren't living their story, they actually most of the time or at some time at least feel like something's missing and something's missing something's missing and you're missing out. That's a big key. Not only is something missing, you're missing out. Because when you're in that relationship with God, God begins to lead you and guide you and and empower you and open your eyes and give you insight into the story you're to be living. And that's when life becomes amazing. And by the way, Tracy, I would say this is probably true for you, uh, that that maybe you didn't have as big an aha moment as a blue-eyed angel uh, uh, interceding But since you've come to know the Lord, you've had epic moments with God.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I feel like God has shown up in big ways. And even when I least expect it, I feel like I can always, when I don't think that God's going to show up, he does it even bigger. So.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really, really true. And by the way, uh, we, we have a special way of you hearing about that next week uh, that I want to let you know about. But But here's what I want to tell you. You have a story to tell. Now, there's a way of telling it that I think we all can embrace that's very simple, very effective, very easy to do. But by the way, it's going to be unique to you, unique to me, unique to Tracy. Uh, my wife, Pam, would have a different way to share it. Uh, why? Because it's your story. But how you share your story can actually be easier than you think. Mm-hmm. So what is it, it? what is it you need to do? It's called BC Something Happened, Now What? B.C., something happened. Now what? B.C. is before Christ. You know how it's 100 B.C., 100 years before Jesus. So what was your life like B.C., before Christ? Then the something happened. And then the now, what? Now, I would say again, everybody had a something happen. Uh, Tracy named actually two something happened uh, when she was in five, five years old
1: when I was five, in five years old and then fifth grade.
0: Yeah, when she was five years old, she discovered what a sinner she was. How no i 'm kidding <laughs> probably a little bit, but I'm just kidding about that. Um, but but at five years old, something happened, you met mm-hmm. Jesus, and then God took it deeper. You had another something happen moment. Right. And then after that, you had a whole life up till now of now what that's right. not being, not even done. Yeah. Uh, your story still is ongoing. Mm-hmm. And so, what I want you to think about for you is this What was your life like before Christ? What would be a something happen moment where somehow you became more aware of God and Jesus and their love for you? And that you you wanted to be closer to God. You wanted to be more who you want he wanted you to be. And what is the now what that happened after that? And, uh, and, and here's what I want to ask you to do. Find a way to outline that or even write it out where it takes about five minutes to share that. Be able to share your story in about five minutes. And then pray for your one person at one o'clock for one minute that they'll let you tell your story for five minutes. And uh, you know what? You might be shocked about how many people would love to hear your story. Mm-hmm. You know, actually, you just look at them and say, you know, you're in the right setting, right time. Hey, say, hey, you know what? I, I had this life-changing experience. Do um, you got about five minutes so I could tell it to you? And I would just say that. I, I would put it out there. And I'll tell you, you might be, I, I can't, there are, there are majority of people are going to say, sure, I got five minutes. Uh, I mean, there might be somebody who doesn 't but but if that 's okay, you can wait later on to tell them but you know, just to be able to say hey i 'd like to for five minutes share with you something that changed me, and I never ever ever will forget it. Um, I'll never be the same because of it. And you get ready and you tell them, and then you get a chance to see what God does, the Holy Spirit does out of that story. Now, that's the point I want to make. We don't know what will happen out of that. Uh, By the way, some people might say, I don't want to hear anymore. Others might be going, well, then how did you give your life to Christ? Others might ask other questions about what happened or or what occurred. Uh, but you know what? You let the Holy Spirit guide the other side of your five minutes. Actually, let your Holy Spirit empower the first five, that would be more accurate, and let the Holy Spirit take you to the other side of the five minutes. And, and just be ready, because some people are going to be excited about what you shared. Some people aren't going to be excited about what you shared. Mm-hmm. That's what Paul's talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 to 17, where it says this, but thanks be to God. Oh, by the way, I, I, I got to stop on this because it's pretty interesting. Uh, I was watching a, 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 a show on HBO called on um, The Hard Knocks and it's about the Dallas Cowboys. And Dak Prescott, I, this to me is so interesting. So we're going to pause on this. Mm-hmm. Dak Prescott. And if you don't know who he is, do you know who he is? No. You didn't know. Taft, do <laughs> you know who he is? Oh, Tracy, uh, Leslie, you didn't tap unless <laughs> he does. All right, Dak Prescott's one of the best quarterbacks to ever play professional football. Uh, he is a quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. Last year, uh, there were such high hopes for the Cowboys season. And early in the season, he got hurt in a brutal way. Uh, they showed clips of it. His whole leg twists around. Uh-huh. So his foot's facing the wrong oh. way. And it was a major, major injury. This year, the question is, can he come back? Can he come back? And by the way, it looks like he can. Here's what he said, though. It's on the hard knocks on HBO. He said this. He said, I was laying on the ground, and I looked down, and I saw my foot, and I was in shock, so I didn't know the pain of it. And I got up wondering if I should try to twist it back in place. Mm -mm. And then I realized my career could be over. And then I started to feel the pain, and here's what he said. But I was taught in the worst moments of your life, you just start saying, thank God, thank God, thank God. And he said, that's what I did. I just started thanking God, thanking God. And I thought, oh my goodness. Uh, by the way, I think Dak might have a ways to go on the travel with Christ, but you watch the show. But, um, but uh, uh, Paul starts out with, but thanks be to God. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests to us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Now, uh, but to understand the rest, we've got to pause. He said there's a a sweet aroma that comes, uh, a wonderful thing that happens uh, because of the knowledge of Christ when it's spread in every place. When you tell your five-minute story, that is like all of a sudden the essence of God going out into a world that needs it, into a heart that needs it. And then we got to see what's going to happen with that. And then it says in verse 15, for we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved, among those who are perishing. To one, the aroma uh, from death to death. To the other, the aroma of life to life. And who is adequate for these things? Guess what? The answer is you. Mm -hmm. The answer is Tracy, me. You might say, whoa, really? Yeah, because you have a relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Only in Jesus are you adequate. And then it says this, we are not like many peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity, but as from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. Now he said this, he said, some of you are gonna share your story and people are gonna go, oh, and wanna hear more. And it's gonna be an aroma of life to life. It's gonna cause more life to happen, more excitement to happen, uh, more enthusiasm to take place. For others, it's gonna be an aroma of death to death. It's gonna act- actually turn them off. By the way, it's not you turning them off if you do it the right way. Uh, it's it's They're being turned off because they, they have a deadness spiritually, and they're pushing it away. But they'll never have an opportunity for life if you don't tell them. You and I are not to judge ahead of time who has life to life and who has death to death. Because I have been shocked over and over uh, by people I thought, oh, they're, they're never gonna listen. They're too hard-hearted. They're too far gone. And I have seen God do the greatest miracles, miracles in those moments. And uh, that can happen. Yeah. But you know, people are gonna react differently. Um, I always liken this uh, uh, to gasoline. Um, one time, when my son Tim was really little, uh, I went to a gas station. The whole family was in the van. I got out to get the gas, and so what happened is he wanted to help, and so I allowed him. He was probably about you know third or fourth grade, and I allowed him to hold the gas thing. And I thought, oh okay, and then it clicked. It clicked because the, the, the car was full, and I'm standing you know, a little ways away, maybe as far as we are, and I turn, and I see him pull the, the, the gas pump out, and I see him turn it around and stick his, his nose and mouth up and go, and I'm like, no, no, no. He goes, it just smells so good, you know, and uh, maybe he stashed the drugs here. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> he didn't. Um but you know what? Some people love the smell of gasoline, right? Some people, they, they don't. I don't. My wife does. My son, Rich, doesn't. My son, Tim, does. What are what do you? I don't like it. You don't like I it? No. My sister does, you? though. Like you like it? Okay. Would you like suck on it? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's laughing. He didn't answer. Leslie, what are you? I like it. <laughs> okay, so here's where we're going those of us on this side like it and those on or don't like it and on that side do like it which just tells you there's different people who have different reactions by the way that's the same to the gospel like we're totally in love with Christ going to heaven and those guys are no I'm kidding <laughs> okay I think I'm having too much fun tonight <laughs> Leslie and Taft love the Lord they're going to heaven uh, but you know but, but what I want to say is that People have different reactions, and you and I are not to take responsibility for that. We still pray for people. We still love people. We still care about people, and we never give up because the person you think is least likely in any moment becomes very often the person who's most likely and actually the one who does that, and so Paul says to us that we need to understand that's what we need to do. That's who we need to be. So what do you do? You need to be able to tell your story. God wants you to live an epic story. And so you need to have a BC before Christ, something happened, and now what? And right now, right now in this moment, it's possible one of you are sensing God in a special way. Right now, maybe something happened in your day. Something's going on in your life. And you're thinking, man, I I gotta have a change. Or man, I need need to be healed of this hurt and pain that's deep inside. Some of you are, I'm tired of living like this. Others of you are saying, I don't know if I wanna keep going on if life's gonna always be this way. Some of you are so ashamed. Ashamed of who you are and what you've done, who you've become, And you're thinking, is there any hope for me? And let me tell you what, there is. God is not only the one who gives hope, God is the one who gives love and gives change and transformation. And right now, this could be your something happened moment. Your day, your story could be, I was watching or listening to a message And uh, you might even say this, some of you, I'm not even sure what he said, but I could sense something happening. Or maybe it's like, no, something that was said, I'm just, it really, it started speaking to me. Or maybe it's just, this is the day that I needed, I needed something and I, I got it. And so right now, if that's you, what I want to tell you, you need to do is pray. You need to pray and, and let the Lord know that you want his love that you want to commit your life to him, that you want to be forgiven of your sins, that you want to be under the blood of the lamb, which means that when Jesus died on the cross, his blood was actually going to, in a supernatural way, free you from sin, free you from guilt, free you from hurt, free you from pain, and cause you to be born again. Uh, I I would even say this. It's almost like you needed a life-giving transfusion and the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross gives life. And what you need to do is say, yes, I want you. Yes, I want that. Yes, I want the life you have for me. So if that's you, I want you to pray with me. And by the way, all of you who are watching right now, would you pray that if there's for the person who needs to pray this prayer, who needs to say and whisper these words. And if that's you, I want you to pray them with me. Just say this to the Lord. If you're ready for the transformation, if you're ready for what he has for you, pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. Say, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me. And you died for my sins. I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and from pain. I pray you'll free me from anything or anyone that's holding me down or holding me back. But most of all, I pray you'll make me yours. I pray you'll make me alive. And I pray you'll make me brand new. So I say yes. And if those are the only words you can say, just do it. Just say, I say yes. Maybe you thought, oh, I should have prayed the prayer. Just pray these words. I say yes. I say yes. Jesus, I say yes to you. And I say yes to the life you have for me. So take me now and make me yours. In Jesus' name, amen. And the word amen means the truth. Uh, The word amen means for real. And if you prayed that prayer, I really, really want you to do this. And I believe God would want you to do this. And I would only say that if I believed it's something God would want you to do. If you pray that prayer, I want you to text amen to 77247. Text amen to 77247. So you get out your phone, get out your tablet. Uh, text amen to 77247. If you can't do that, go to crossroadschurch.family and you can click on I said yes. Go to crossroadschurch.family and click on I said yes. And if you did, praise God, we're so excited for you. We can't wait to find out who you are. By the way, we will be very sensitive with your information. Uh, We wanna interact with you. We wanna send you a free copy of a book called The Purpose Driven Life, which Tracy's an incredible book. And so we wanna give that to you for free. Uh, And so we just care about you. And we want you to be a part of our church family. So if you said yes to God, if you prayed it, amen to 77247. And man, I wanna tell you, I've loved being with you tonight, maybe a little too much. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, Were the jokes okay?
1: They're always great.
0: Okay, thank you. Thank you. That's why she works for me. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. But anyway, I uh, loved it tonight. love being with you. Can't wait for next week. We are going to share, have something that, uh, Tracy, you already know what it is, right?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, it's going to be great.
0: It's going to be great. Like we're not overselling that. It's going to be great. And so if you don't watch, you're probably going to go, oh, I should have, which of course you can watch on demand. But um, but I can't wait for next week. And this weekend, we continue in our series on miracles. And uh, we're going to talk about actually your favorite message in the whole series.
1: Yep. Yeah. Elijah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And you know what? Early in our study together and doing the the journal, Tracy said, you've got to preach on this one. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I feel like the message that came from the Lord for that was powerful and needed. Would you agree? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So it'll be this weekend. Mm -hmm. But no matter what, I want you to know that God loves you. God has written a story about you and your story is meaningful. Your story matters because you are meant to live a life of meaning and you matter to God and you matter to us. God bless you and have a great night.